welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. Hey, if you're ready for the Word of God and to receive the Word of God today, can you declare out loud, today my heart is open, my ears are alert to grow and change and never be the same. Amen. Once you take your seat this morning, thank you, worship team. Fantastic like normal. You guys are awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I've got the best title for my message. And um, I think today's message is all about challenge, okay? So just strap in there and, um, you know, lean in this morning and just let the Word of God uh, challenge you, not to make you feel bad, but to make you go, you know what, I've got further I can go and I'm going to be part of the mission of God about growing my life, changing my life and moving uh, forward with a uh, great life. So before I give you this amazing title though, I want to give you some context to it, otherwise it's just random. And um, so I want to read from Luke 6, 46 to 49. All right, this is what it says. It says, What good does it do for you to say, I am your Lord and Master? Here's the big one straight up. If you don't put into practice what I teach you. Bam, drop the mic. Let me describe the one who truly follows me and does what I say. He is like a man who chooses the right place to build a house and then lays a deep and secure foundation. When the storms and floods rage against the house, it continues to stand strong and unshaken through the tempest, for he built it wisely on the right foundation. But the one who has heard my teaching and does not obey, it is like a man who builds a house without laying any foundation at all. When the storms and the floods rage against that house, it will immediately collapse and become a total loss. Which of these two buildings will you be? What a big question, hey? Which of these two buildings will you be? And this leads me to my amazing title this morning, which is, Who Are You? Who are you? The one who puts into action what God teaches or the one who doesn't, the person whose life has a strong foundation or the person whose life is built on a weak foundation. This morning, who are you? And I ask this question, and this is uh, something that we all need to be thinking about here today. And um, I think for some of us, you know, we, we might say there's areas of our life that are built on strong foundation on the Word of God, but there's definitely areas in my life that aren't. So for an example, you might have a business and your business, you build it on the word of God. You have godly principles, but when it comes to people, right, you might approach people with anger, you might approach people with frustration, and you will always sort people out. And so that's not really a principle built on the word of God. And so therefore, you find you might have a successful business 
but you might not have a successful friendship life. And, um, you know, so which, which areas of your life are on a strong foundation and which aren't? The person who ports to action what God teaches is the person with resilience in their life. When they get bumped around and pushed off balance, they always return with a great attitude and thanking God for the challenge that they've went through. And we just see that about Paul in the Bible. Many times Paul was in prison, he was whipped, he was persecuted, but he always came back with thanksgiving and with the mission of God forefront in his mind is because circumstances didn't dictate to Paul who Paul was. And I wonder today in your life if circumstances dictate who you become or who you are or how you behave. If your circumstances dictate your behaviours or does the Word of God dictate your behaviour? One solid foundation and one is a weak foundation. So in the story we just read, the house represents you and I. Represents the life that we live. The storms and the flood, these are the things that you and I face day to day. For example, bullying, being cursed at, financial struggles, relationship struggles, diminished self respect or self love, and the list can go on. So these are the things that we all face day to day. And I don't know about you, but in my 42 years of life, I, I just think life's getting tougher. I mean, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older and smarter or, or, or what, but I just think life is just getting tougher. Like, the things my kids deal with at school that I didn't have to deal with at school is insane. You know, the, the struggles financially, it's we've got more money to burn you know, like we, we have more money flowing through our world, yet it just seems to be harder financially these days. And I don't know, maybe, maybe our paradigm has shifted or whatever it is, but life just seems to be hard. Maybe it's always been like this. I mean, there, there was the convicts and there was the Vikings, and I would have been a great Viking, I reckon. I would have loved Vikings. Yeah, the Viking heroes and the ships and, you know, there's, you go all through history and I, I suppose life's hard, isn't it? And, you know, when we live this Christian life, we can't have principles built on our own experiences. Who knows that your experiences actually have no foundation? Because your experience can only be as wise as your age is. We need someone who's gone before us, maybe even like a creator of all things. Maybe, maybe we need somebody who has, has experienced everything that we could possibly go through and more. So like, kind of like Jesus, and then someone that would have modelled everything and said if, if the first person fell to sin, this would have been the consequence. But if they don't, this would be the benefits. So maybe we need the opinion of someone like that, which would probably be God. And so I kind of think that living according to the Word of God might be the best foundation that we could have in our lives. And, I, and just in my little bit of you know, two Ps of wisdom that I might have in my world, I kind of just realised I don't have much to add. I don't know if there's anyone else like this this morning, but, you know, my experiences in my life can't really tell me how to raise five children. And um, I need the Word of God to teach me that. Now, in verse uh, 46, which was the first verse we read, it said, A person with a firm foundation puts into practice what God says. 
Now this is what Jeremiah 23, 29 says. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? It sounds pretty mighty to me. So here's the question. How do we know the way Jesus says that we should live? Well, it's written in the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says this. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, right living that the man of God or the woman of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Scripture is good to teach us, it's good to correct us, and it's good to train us so that we become competent, equipped to live life well, to live great lives, and to do stuff for God. Scripture is where we get it from. Jeremiah 1.16 says, Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. What Jeremiah found is that God's word was so good for him and in his life that he expresses it by writing down that he ate it. In other words, what Jeremiah was saying was, I live according to the word. Back then it was the Old Testament. I live according to this word of God so fiercely that every day I read it and I do what it says to do. I eat it, is what Jeremiah was saying to us. We should eat the word of God and obey it. One builder builds a firm, solid, strong and resilient resilient foundation by doing what the Bible tells them to do. They don't question the Bible or need proof of everything in the Bible. They exercise faith. The Bible is God's word and I will follow it. You know, if you need proof of every message I preach or if you need to first experience it before you believe it, you're not operating in a life of faith. Right, I think if you can't trust your pastor, I've got to wonder who you can trust in your life. And so you would assume that you know, the, the pastor or anyone on this platform would breathe and bring out the Word of God. You would have to assume that if you're going to read the Word of God, that it is actually the Word of God. It's not just words written for God or to represent or people's experiences of how good God is. You know, it's actually the powerful ordained, spirit-breathed Word of God. And so therefore, if you don't just read it and then just do it and learn on the journey, you're not living a life of faith. What you're living is a life where everyone has to prove everything to you before you will do what it says. And that's just really a selfish life. And I know there's no selfish people here today, so I'm talking to the crowd, right? (laughs) I'm talking to the crowd. The Word of God, let's eat the Word of God. The one that doesn't build a house like that, the other builder builds a weak foundation by doing what they think is best and by not following Scripture. You know, one lives a life with the same challenges as the other, however, always bounces back and often 
even moves forward in their bounce back to a greater life and greater things in their world. But the other seems to go in circles, never seems to get on top of things, has great ambitions and dreams, but never really succeeds. Let me, let me tell you something. You aren't going through tougher things and things that no one else goes through. Now, you might go through or have experienced tougher things than what I go through. I've had a really, really blessed upbringing, and I'm thankful to God, Rachel. I'm grateful to God. I boast of my upbringing. So you might have a worse or a tougher upbringing than me, but not than everybody. There's always somebody else that understands your pain. If not God, there will always be another human that understands the abuse or understands the words that have been said to you, understands what it feels like to not feel like you love yourself or that nobody loves you, that understands what it feels like to believe the word of God and want to follow it with all your heart, but you don't quite have what it takes to jump that line where you just obey and do. You know, you're always, you know, there's people around in this very church that will understand all these things. And this is the power and the wonder and the beauty of the church, you know, is that I might not understand, your pastor might not understand, or or Mel or, or the person next to you might not understand, but someone does. And in the body of Christ, we can come together, pray together, strengthen each other, go to things like men's camps and SWB coming up as well and get strength and resilience built into us through the Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the love that Jesus Christ has for us, which is unconditional, by the way, and the salvation that He gives to us, like Rachel and Mel were saying today, that even when we do a little hiccup or a sin or or we do the wrong thing, His love still covers a multitude of sins, the Bible says, and He still loves you and will save your soul. You know, this is the power and the beauty of the church. So can I encourage you today that whatever you are facing, you have the opportunity here today to say, you know what, this area of my life is is built on a weak foundation. And God, I'm going to start to search out your truth. Thank goodness for Google. I tell you what, how do you pastor 50 years ago without Google? Am I giving away my weakness right now? Like every day I just, type, I just type in scripture and then the thing that I'm wanting to search and just every scripture in the Bible just comes up. All the translations, within five minutes I sound like a theologian and I preach. No, 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 I'll give, I put more than five minutes in. But the, the, the point is this, right? If, you're, if you struggle understanding the word or you're like, okay, I want to live by the word but everything you guys say on platform I don't really see how it tells me to be kind to someone or how to fix this relationship or, or what to do in this business. I don't see the stuff that you guys see. Well, Google, like put in scripture and put in the question, right, and see what, see what starts to come up. And then I say, Holy Spirit, because there's a lot of jargon on there, right, where there's a lot of heresy and all the rest. So then you say, because you are a Christian, right, and if you're not here today, you have this opportunity today as well. But we have the Spirit of God in us, and He is the counsellor. He is the one that brings wisdom and, and instructs us and teaches us. We just read all this, right? So when you jump on Google, you know, say, Holy Spirit, there is a lot of information. Would you guide me? 
and just start reading and you'll see like when you read the Bible, things will pop out. This scripture will pop out by this theologian or this scholar or, or this, you know, a preacher over in America or a Baptist preacher or whatever. Things will start to pop out and before you know it, you'll start to see truth, how to put it into that area. And if you're still not sure, okay, you're part of an amazing body of Christ here today and not here today as well for the people that couldn't make it, call a friend, call someone, you know, hey, Richard, could you just put some, you know, I'm reading this, I'm working out how to do this in my business, or I really stink when it comes to anger. Like, seriously, anger has just, and I'm reading all these scriptures of how to overcome anger, but I'm just a bit confused. I'm not sure if it's heresy or not. Could you speak to me? And they will just go, hey, this is what my experience is. This is what I believe the Word of God says. And you, within 10 minutes of a quick read, quick call of a friend, in 10 minutes you could have an answer to something you've been struggling with for 10 years. So true. And that's the power of the Word of God and friends, people. Would you like a little list of, of the things in the Bible to help us fill a... a I thought I thought I'll get a, a little list here today, and uh, if you just do all these, you'll be fine. All right. So I've only got fifty of them. So, and I've got a scripture reference beside. Every, it's not going to come on the screen. You just got to trust me. All right. I got a scripture for all these. So if you do all these fifty, you'll be. And now got this through a Google search. All right. And then I cross-referenced the scriptures and I checked that they were actual true. Um, and they are. So this is legit stuff. So do this 50 and you'll have a great life. Okay, ready? Number one, repent. Number two, rejoice. Number three, let your light shine. Don't be a at-home closet Christian. God saved your life and transformed you from the inside out and you don't tell anyone. Let your light shine. Be righteous. Be reconciled. Settle matters quickly. Oh, here's a big one. Don't lust. Here's a challenging one, and I'll clarify some a little bit later. Don't divorce except for infidelity. If you want life to go well, keep your word. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Keep your word. Turn the other cheek. The world doesn't teach that these days. Young people, turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. I think we should all be praying a lot more. I don't know about you, but I have people persecuting me daily. Does anyone else feel like this? Like there's some, maybe not daily, but there's constant persecution around you. We should be praying a lot more then. Pray for those who persecute. Be perfect. I like that one. Practice secret disciplines on the computer, pray. And if I write number 15 here, I'll do it like this. Pray, 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 and make sure you pray a lot. And if I was very scriptural, I'd say pray without ceasing. We should pray a lot. There should never be a once a month Sunday night prayer meeting where you aren't here. Number 16, forgive. 17, fast, store up treasures in heaven. Don't worry, seek his kingdom first. Don't judge, don't cast pearls, ask, seek and knock. 
If you're a business person here today and you're trying to get somewhere in your business, ask, seek, and knock. And then ask, seek, and knock. Then let your faith rise and then ask, seek, and knock. If God's given you a dream in your life and a purpose for your life and you're not seeing it happen, you need to ask it, you need to seek it, and then you need to knock. You need to knock on those doors. You need to ask God, why is this not happening yet? Then you need to seek God. You need to seek his face, worship, pray. And then you need to knock on the doors of those who need to open the doors for you. If it's a king, he said he will open the doors for kings. You know, the Bible says that. Ask, seek, knock. Live the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Enter through the narrow gate. No one said being a Christian is easy. Watch out for false teachers. Pray for workers. Be shrewd. Be a be shrewd is an interesting one. I've noticed this in my life. The arrogant people are often the most humble. And the most humble people are actually arrogant. Be shrewd. Be afraid about the right things. You know why that is? Is because the humble ones are the ones that have been on their knees and sought the true answer. And when they have the true answer, they speak with confidence. And we think that they're speaking with arrogance. But they're speaking with such an assurance that they know. That's what. Anyway, I'll just go on on tangents, don't I? Is anyone learning anything from this? Well, I think we're just past halfway. Be shrewd. Be afraid about the right things. We should. It's called a healthy fear. Hear God's voice. Does anyone know how to hear God's voice? Yeah, we've got a few people. Okay, the greatest way to hear God's voice is simply by reading the Word. Do you, do you remember what I said at the beginning? It's the Word of who? So who speaks through it? How do you hear His voice? Read the Word. Eat it. Hear God's voice. Take Jesus' yoke. The Bible says he yoke, His yoke is light. This is what that means. I love this one. This is great. You will always have a yoke. Freedom is a myth. Okay, the freedom that the Bible is talking about is the yoke of Christ. And our version of freedom is I get to do whatever I want. Well, the people I know that live like that aren't living very well. Okay, they can't, they can't, they have no God to run to when they're sick. They have no supernatural power in their life that brings positive. They have supernatural power in their life bringing negative. They might be rich, but they're not happy. They might have a million dollars in the bank, but they're not satisfied. I don't know about you, but when I was struggling to even have lunch, I was satisfied. I had the joy of the Lord as my strength every day. Because joy and peace and and resilience and all these things that we look for aren't in having freedom. That means there's, there's no boundaries in your world. If you raise your child like that, you would have an unruly child. Try it. Give it a go. But if you give your child healthy boundaries, you'll have a healthy child. I don't know about you, but I always like to push the boundaries in life. Is anyone, we do that with God, right? We push, out, we push the boundaries in life. We like to know where the boundaries are. We like it. It keeps us on the straight and the narrow. Man, I've got to get through this list. Take Jesus, honour your parents. Don't despise children. Go to offenders. Don't walk away from them. Go to them. Honor marriage. 
be a servant, be a house of prayer, ask in faith, render to Caesar. In other words, pay your taxes. Don't try and get out of them. That's it's not biblical. Love God. Love your neighbor. Be ready. Oh, that's good. What if what if Jesus came back this afternoon? 3:32. He comes back today. Be ready. Communion. Did that this morning. Remembrance of him. Make disciples. Don't live a life for yourself. Don't go, woo, I've got it all together. I'm living my best life. And then you don't care about anyone else. Help people through life. Baptize and be baptized. Teach what Jesus taught. Have the word of God on your lips. Deny yourself. Don't be greedy. Be born again. We can only do that through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And keep Jesus' commandments. Who's doing well with this list? <laughs> Let me just tell you this. I just want to clarify something. This list isn't about salvation. This list is about living your best life. Salvation is your faith that you place in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you say I believe he is the son of God, that he died, he rose and he has uh, is now in heaven so that by my acceptance of him into my life and giving my life to him, I will have eternal freedom in heaven and I can have freedom here on now, Jesus freedom version, yoked to Jesus here now on earth. That's what salvation is. It's about you placing your faith in Jesus Christ rather than yourself and your circumstances. But if you want to live an amazing life, who wants to live their best life? Not just the good life, not the neighbor's life, not pastor so-and-so's life. Who wants their best possible life? Well, the list is good, it's big, but it's a place to start. So it's all there. It's all there in the Bible. No one's perfect at all these. It's not about perfection, but it's just about the fact that it's all there. The Bible says that we are called to mature daily. So in other words, every day as we get a new revelation, we become more and more mature. And, you know, we are called to go from glory to glory, from strength to strength. What this means and what it's telling us is none of us are there yet. Jesus Christ was the only one that could fulfill this whole list of 50. (laughs) You and I aren't there, but we live our best life because every day we wake up, we read the Bible, we eat it, we put it into practice, and we are strengthening our spirit and our flesh and our lives and our family and our children and our schools, and we're bringing God everywhere we go. That's good, isn't it? Made a way. 1 Peter 1.14 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Acts 5.29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So who are you going to become? A person building a strong foundation or happy being blown around by life's pressures and disappointments. I'm not happy for that in my life. This list was intense. 
go to offenders, don't divorce, honor marriage, forgive, don't lust. I don't know about you, but I'm out. I'm out. But it is true. If we were to perfectly follow and apply all these principles in our life, life would simply be great. It would be awesome. The point is growth, not perfection. The answers are there in the word. And every day, people that seek it and apply it will become stronger. Here's the good news. Ready? You ready? Here's the good news. And I finish with this. The band can come join me. When we don't get this list right, God still wants us and God still forgives us. For those who have had lustful thoughts, God still wants to help renew your mind. It's not about perfection. And let me tell you this, a thought is not a sin. The action becomes, brings it to a sin. And you can think about following that list or the Word of God, but it will do nothing in your life until there's action applied. The enemy, Joyce Meyer, wrote an amazing book called The Battlefield of the Mind. In other words, the enemy can put things in your mind. He can put lustful thoughts in your mind, but that doesn't mean you're a sinner going to hell. But what you do need is the strength of the Spirit of God. You need to, need to have the principles of prayer and worship in your life. You need to read the Bible because this Word says that as you read it, it will renew your mind. And you might struggle with lustful thoughts for 50, 60, 70 years, all the way to your deathbed. But if you do not act upon them, you will not be sinning. It's the deception of the enemy. But as you give yourself over to them, they will start to ruin your life. The thought becomes the action and then it will start to uh, uh, affect the chemicals in your life and you'll start to feel depressed by those thoughts. And then you'll get the spirit of anxiety. Come on, is that, am I just speaking to the choir right now? I know what I'm talking about right now because I've been here. I've had to conquer and I've learned the day that I learned about 20 years ago that the thought itself is not the sin. It's the enemy playing games with your life. I then knew how to conquer. Just don't act upon the thought. And to do that, I need the Word of God in me. And you can do that too. So if you struggle with that, you need to know that God still loves you. Even if you've acted upon it, you need to know God loves you. He has forgiven you. Don't diminish the power of the blood of Jesus at the cross. It's not so weak that when we do one sin, we go to hell. That's not the, the message of the gospel. The power of the blood of the cross is so powerful that even through our transgressions and our sin, it still covers us. That's what the whole Torah, the whole Old Testament is about, is the covering that Jesus the Messiah would one day bring to mankind. But Jesus the Messiah has come and died and risen again. And so you need to know that that blood is so unbelievably eternal and powerful that your sins 
are still forgiven while your faith and your repentance remains in Him. While your faith and you continually run to Him. Let me tell you something. I don't run to God and ask for forgiveness like most people do. I first run to God and I say, God, I've done something wrong. I've done something wrong. I've done a sinful action. Thank you and I worship you that I am washed and forgiven because of Jesus. See the difference? Can you see the difference? One is I am the head, not the tail. The tail says, oh, I've sinned. I need to repent. I need to repent. And so we get down and we're crying and and we're pouring out our heart before God out of this fear that God through who is love, so it's an oxymoron concept straight away, but out of fear that somehow you're going to go to hell now because you've done a sin. Let me tell you something. You sin all day long and you have no idea you're even doing it because sin is anything that would separate you from God. Anything. So what do we do? Do we get down and and we break ourselves and we cry and, and we carry on to God like God's just there in heaven tapping His foot, just going, oh, got to 3.23 today to quickly repent. That's not what... That's not how God operates. What Jesus did is so powerful. If you knew it, you would tremble. The enemy does. The Bible says he trembles in the presence of God. Why? Because the blood of what Jesus has done makes the enemy's life void. Because he's trying to take us out. But the blood of Jesus covers us And even when we play up, it's still covering us and the enemy's here trying to get in. So all he can do is plant seeds in your mind. At last, I feel like doing this, I'm going to smash that person. You got all these battle, the minefield is going on in your mind. That's all the enemy can do until you give him some rope. Let me tell you something, when you give him a little, he's, he's there to take the lot. It's called a foothold in your life. Is this okay? Like, I feel like I'm, I'm starting to go on a bit, but it's a foothold in your life. What is, what is a foothold? Well, a foothold is when you take the thought and you act upon it. And then you've gone, sin one. Now, are you going to hell? Does anyone know the answer yet? But there's a foothold in your life. And then what happens is you go, nothing happened. It was pretty good. I enjoyed that. And so you do it again tomorrow. There's two footholds in your life. The enemy's going, ah, we've got him. We've got him. This is the one here. This is the thing there. It's anger. And so the enemy will just start hammering you with anger. If you struggle with anger, do you, do you notice that you don't have money struggles going on in your world? Has anyone noticed that? And if you struggle with buying too much things in your life, Mel, um, uh, she doesn't. But if you if you struggle with, say, buying too much, you notice lust isn't your issue. But then the person next to you has a lust, they're being hammered all the time with lustful thoughts. But they go through the sh- to shopping with you 
you know, with me. And I, I walk into the Nike shoe shop. And I'm like, I'm struggling here today. They are really nice nights. And I, I'm just like, I actually did a wedding last week and I got paid for that. It's my money. God's going, is your surname Politensky? I'm like, yeah, but it's Graham Politensky, so it's mine. He's like, no, 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 Politensky means it's your family's. And I'm, and I'm there, but the lustful person, my mate next to me, he's outside, he's not even interested in the shoes. Notice he doesn't have the same issue. Because when the devil finds a foothold, he calls his legions. And they go, that's that person's foothold. I just want you to hammer them in their mind until they crumble. And then this person calls his legions. There's a foothold there. Crumble. And many of us here today have given the enemy a foothold. Are you going to hell? But this is what happens. How are you saved? You're saved by faith in Jesus, right? So how are you unsaved? By having no faith in Jesus. This is what the foothold does. You're 14 years old and you have that issue with whatever, anger. You give the enemy a foothold. By the time you're 18, that anger actually becomes where you punched up a guy on the street the other day. Right, because you've given that now. You go to church every Sunday, you repent every time you do it, going to heaven. But then you you come down 10 years later, maybe even 15 years later, you're in your mid-30s, early 40s, right? And you king hit someone on the street. We all know what king hit means. One punch and they're out. And you're in jail. But now in jail... You have jail friends. And what started as a foothold, you're now in jail going, well, where is God? You know, if God was there, if, if God loved me. You know, I was talking to one of our beautiful neighbours here a couple of months ago when the floods happened and their mother died. She just looked at me and said, yeah, tell me, where's God? You know, house is destroyed, mother's dying. Apparently, God's love. See, when you let a foothold in, what happens is you get to a point where you go, where's God? And your faith then shifts to being in your own abilities and into your own decisions. Definitely not doing the 50 list. (laughs) Definitely not reading anymore, renewing your mind. Don't go to church on Sundays anymore not worshipping, not using our gifts in the house of God, the way he created us. Can you see what's happening? And so that's the person that I believe would lose salvation. But the enemy thinks every time you do something little wrong that you're going to hell and then we're on our knees and, and we're, I, I, I just, I feel like, this is just me, I'm being a bit vulnerable right now. For me to hop on my knees and say, Jesus, I did this, this, and this today, and I'm crying, and please forgive me, please forgive me. I feel like I'm throwing in the face of Jesus everything he did on the cross. That's what I think that that is. 
This is a massive edge. Are, are we okay? We, you confess at the beginning this morning that you're here to learn and receive and never be the same. To me, a victorious Christian goes, Jesus, I did this, I did this, and I did this. I'm sorry that my flesh is weak, but my spirit rules for you. So Jesus, I thank you for what you did. I'm actually speaking scripture right now, okay? Someone in the Bible said, "My though my flesh is weak, okay? And so, but Jesus, what you did on the cross, when you did it, I read that the whole world went dark. The sun was covered. I heard that in the temple, a super thick curtain split in half, representing that we now as every Christian can walk into the throne room of God without having to go through a high priest. In other words, you can come to, to the once a month prayer meeting and actually pray to God yourself. You don't need me to do it for you. I love that. I heard that that's how powerful what Jesus did. I heard that in Genesis, when Cain, was, when Cain killed Abel, that the blood in the ground cried out. That's how powerful blood is, then alone the blood of Jesus Christ, the Almighty Son of the risen, of God Almighty, who made everything and is in the heavens. So God, knowing that power of what Jesus did on the cross and who He is, thank You that even though I gave the enemy a foothold, today I kick his foot out of that space and we cover it up with the blood of Jesus once again. I am purified, hold the son and daughter of the Almighty. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? So who are you? Are you the one that builds your life on a firm foundation? Or are you building your life on a weak foundation? There's only one firm foundation and it's the Word of God, it's Jesus Christ. So who are you? Why don't we all just close our eyes, lift our hands. I, I reckon that probably everyone in this place can identify an area in our lives where we go, you know what, being honest, I have built this area of my life not on the Word of God. On experiences, what people have told me I should do, what I've seen on Dr. Phil. You know, what TV teaches. Amazing people. Famous people, what they've teached, taught or exampled. You know, the enemy actually gave me a thought this week. Can't believe it, filthy person. He gave me a thought of maybe this is just all for nothing. Can you believe I had that thought this week? That maybe what I'm doing in my life, with my life, this. You know, seeing people saved and come to know Jesus and the sharing the love of, maybe it's just all for nothing. That thought came to my mind. 
maybe these things have been coming to your mind. Let me tell you that the enemy has no power over your life unless you give it to him. He is completely powerless unless you confess. If you say, I am depressed, you are giving him a foothold. You are not depressed. You're just having a tough week. Maybe even a tough year. Maybe you're 14 and 15 years old and you've had a tough life, but you're not depressed. But when you say it, then you give him a foothold. And tomorrow morning, guess what you're going to wake up wanting to say? Because he'll bring his legions and say, let's, let's hit on that part right there. You don't have anxiety issues. But maybe you've given the enemy a foothold at some point. You need to know that this is okay. The blood of Jesus is way stronger and more powerful. And you are a human being. And we stuff up. And it's okay. But Jesus wants to restore you. Maybe you're divorced here today. And you need to know you've read the Bible and you've read what the Bible says about divorce, that only in infidelity should one divorce. But you have, and that was not the reason. Let me tell you this today. God still loves you. You're still his son or his daughter. He wants to restore your life to better than ever before. He has forgiven you. And He wants to wash you clean. If you will accept His forgiveness here today, some people you have not given your life to Jesus. And right now you're listening to this and you're like, man, like this is huge. This is a lot. Let me tell you this. Soon as you give your life to Jesus, this is how simple it is. Soon as you say, He is my cornerstone. In other words, I place my faith in Him and on this rock I will build my house. We just read that. So on this foundation, on the Word of God, on Jesus, I will build my life, is what that is saying. When you place your faith in Him and you say from this day forward, I'm going to seek out the truth so I can build my my life stronger every day. Soon as you make this decision to follow Him, you need to know this, your life is covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. The enemy from that second on millisecond onwards has no authority and power. And I know this because your eternity will be in heaven, which means even if he's affecting you tomorrow morning, he will not affect your eternity because of the power of Jesus Christ over your life. You are covered. So if that's you today and if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, be really bold and just lift your hand right now. All I'm going to do is just pray a prayer because it's actually nothing I do. It's everything Jesus has done. So if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, I see that hand back there. Is there anyone else here this morning? would like to give your life to Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. And there's a hand over here as well. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a a prayer of blessing over your life. But you need to know this. The very fact that you lifted your hand and you said yes, that is salvation. 
okay? Salvation isn't any special ritual you do, okay? You don't have to do any Indian dances or anything like that. It's nothing that I say. It's you and Jesus. It's you saying, I accept that you are real, you are true, and I give you my life. That is salvation right there. And don't let the enemy tell you otherwise. So I'm just going to pray a blessing. Father God, I thank you for these amazing people, children of God. You created them. And I thank you for their lives. Father, today they've lifted their hands. And I just pray right now, you're covering Jesus. Your blood would wash them clean as it has already. But we would know the reality of now walking in that daily. Father God, still human. Still going to wake up with the same things in our world. But now we wake up as a son and a daughter of God. With God on our side. Father, would you strengthen these ones today. I pray for an immediate blessing in their world today. Immediate showing that you are God in their world today. Immediate moment that they will never be able to say again that God isn't true because God did this in my world. I pray that you would do that right away, Lord God. Seal this in their lives and their spirit. We give you the praise and the honour. And Father, for all of us here, areas in our world, Father, we make this commitment right now to build strong foundations. We know that it's the Word of God. And so, Father, between Google and the Word, Father, we're going to seek out truth and we're going to apply. Father, I pray right now in every person, I pray I speak to your mind right now. I'm not doing any psycho weird stuff. You need to know what I'm doing is exercising the authority that God has given me as the pastor of this church. I speak to your mind right now that it would be overwhelmed by the outworking of Scripture as opposed to the pondering of the thought in your mind. So when the enemy, he has the authority to put thoughts in your mind. That's what sin has done. But I right now pray that your spirit man would be stronger and that the thought would make your mind think about how to action the Word of God in place of doing that thought. Does that make sense? It's my prayer over you right now. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said, Amen. Let's give God a massive shout of praise. The band's going to take us out rejoicing.